Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, that, that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't get to Wow, I'm glad your, your mom, mom wasn't here. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. <laughs> he just looked at me like, really should I punch him? <laughs> it doesn't work if you're not wearing Why? a mariachi suit. Uh, <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Bagging Boardcast, episode number 120. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a podcast that normally comes to you in three segments, but we're throwing that by the wayside because we've got an extremely long main topic this week. So the Weekend Geek and the List will return in episode number 121. This week it's all about comic books and comic book conventions and how we like to go to them. And we, we do like that. And on our way to the comic book convention... As anyone who listens to us know, we like beer. So we stopped off at a couple breweries on the way up, and we're drinking one of those beers that we all walked away from Ithaca Brewing loving and haven't had before, and that is the Groundbreak. Yes, this uh, is fantastic. It's their farmhouse ale. Um, Some might call it a saison. Saison. Uh, and it's... You can say he's on that again. Hey, right, guys? Hey, Am I right? Hey. That was bad, <laughs> but I liked it. Uh, it's, it's there goes our new <laughs> listeners. That we're gonna have. <laughs> um, it's no, got, no, we're, I'm just prepping them. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a nice hoppiness with the citrus, um, and then everything you like out of a farmhouse ale. Um, Chris said that he would take this over Henny Pin, which is one of our favorites from Cooperstown. Yeah, and that, we actually stopped at uh, Brewery Omegang on the way to Boston as well. Um, mm-hmm. Did tasting there. Nothing that we haven't had before, though. Um, well, there was uh, the dark yeah. chocolate indulgence. No, no. What was the, the, What did you end up buying? It. I, I bought the yeah dark. It's their black ale. It's their black. Oh, ale. the dark age one, yeah. or whatever it's called. I forgot what it's called. I put it could it just be flashing back to Marvel yeah. crossovers too. I don't know. <laughs> could be both. Uh, yeah, they had a black hop, a black IPA, basically. I forgot so I about that one. one. Yeah, dark arts or something. I think it so, might be yeah, called. something like that. But it wasn't anything that knocked your socks off. Not like this. This has a great, like, uh, spicy flavor to it, but it also dries with a nice IPA kind of finish. Yeah, and something you expect out of Ithaca, who has our favorite uh, flower power. I, consistently one of my favorite breweries. Everything that they put out, I really enjoy. I don't think there is anything really at that tasting. and We, we tasted their whole line. Um, that really I don't like. I think some of their specialties, I think the 13th anniversary, we weren't too crazy, mm-hmm. but 15th? 14th. 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 Their black, their black hopped ale was out of this world. Look I, for that. That, I just, think we, that just broke out. We almost all bought a bottle of that. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. And also, their ginger beer is amazing. Uh, you can only get it there. And they only have it in bottles. They don't even have it on tap. Um, the only place that has it on tap is actually the restaurant where they cut the ginger for it. Um, <laughs> but it was fantastic. Definitely worth picking that up if you ever take a spin through Ithaca. And in case you're an underage listener, oh, yeah. root beer and ginger beer. <laughs> both very, very, oh, very good. Really awesome. But uh, we were really going up to the conventions. It was for interviews, right, guys? Most definitely, yes. And we've got a ton, and they're all here. Uh, special thanks we have to give again to all the people that participated so, uh, thank you for spending the time with us. Yeah, and uh, we definitely appreciate it, and uh, we hope to see you again soon. Yeah. Yes, Chris, we're here in Toronto with the one and only Marcus Soap. Um, we've been sitting here talking to you for a while now, and I have to say, um, not just because you're an approachable, friendly guy, but a great artist, you're actually one of my favorite artists actually out on Sands right now. Um, Red Robin, fantastic book. Really up the game with Huntress. Where do we go from here? Uh, well, my next book is uh, Batwing, starting on issue 9, and uh, already it's been completely different than I'm normally used to. Uh, I mean, just him being in a suit of armor changes everything. I mean, uh, a lot of Batman's um, family, a lot of it has to do with acrobatics, and I think with uh, Batwing, it'll show a lot of military might, uh, you know, a lot of things have to do with the suit, and uh, and just a lot of real-world situations that uh, I haven't had.
had the chance to draw yet. So, you know, hopefully I do a good job and, and um, you know, it looks and feels right to everyone this week. Definitely going all over the place. I mean, Red Robin definitely centered in Gotham a lot more. Yep. Huntress, we headed over to Italy. Are we going to be going back to Africa for Batwing then? Actually, there is African scenes. I mean, I haven't read... I, I've only read up to issue 10 so far for scripts. And, uh, like, he'll be going to Hong Kong. He'll be uh, going to Beijing. He'll be in Africa. But there's scenes in Gotham City as well. And But, uh, I, like, it's going to be a lot of different places. And I think... What uh, Jeff wants to do is make it a little bit more global. That's pretty good. That's got to be frustrating for you as an artist trying to capture those locales. It it's not as frustrating, but it does take a long, longer time. So you know, a lot of reference checking and 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 just making sure that at least if you don't know what the building looks like, to stay true with. You know the the everything around. You know, like the the architecture, the plant life. Uh, like I had to draw a scene in Nigeria, and I had to try to look up. You know what kind of trees that they have there, and but then the thing with Nigeria is that it's it's so vast that there's so many different you know temperatures and and just from deserts to tropical settings, and you know I don't. The interesting thing is that I don't even know if you can go wrong drawing anything in, in, in that country, right? So hopefully, hopefully it, 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 I do it justice. You know, I, I always try. So. So you're uh, working with Judd Winnick now. Yeah. Big name of artist. Yeah. yeah. Before that, Paul Levitz on Huntress. Bevy Nicieza on Red Robin. Yeah. Now they're all cement in the DC Universe writers. Yeah. How different is it working with each one of them? I think for the most part, uh, they've all been really, really encouraging. And since I'm new, very new compared to those guys who've been around for a long time, uh, it's it makes me feel good that these guys, you know, like what I have to offer. And, um, you know, it's, it's... What I always try to do is... I, I always go into the project wanting to, you know, really do what the what the writer wants. So, so me is 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 a is a big learning experience. Uh, just even in the writing styles, how people how people lay out a page, how how they try to tell the story that they want to try to tell, and uh, it's. Yeah, it, it has changed from person to person, but it's it's all been a good experience. For some reason, I imagine Paul Levitz being a lot more precise with his writing and uh, Judd Winnick being a little bit more loose. I don't know, it's just kind of how I view it based on the story. Judd, so far it seems Judd uh, is, he likes to, he, from the sounds of it, he, he does seem to like to base a lot of his, uh, his uh, characters in real world settings, like really as, as naturally realistic as you can get with superheroes, but, uh, but uh, I mean, Paul, he's... I wouldn't say it's completely precise, as, as super precise. But with Judd, it's—I guess it, he, he's still new with me, right? Uh, or I'm still new with him, and uh, he—I uh, I haven't gotten a beat of what he wants to say, but it's good. So it's a new team up, it, but it's still pretty much a new book. It's still in the first year. Yeah, yeah. Even even with the, the Batman Inc. stuff, it's been. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where he, he's a new character and he hasn't really been established yet. And I would like to hope to really put a stamp on the character. Have a guiding um, hand with it. Yeah, and, and really learn along with the audience how he is, right? Because even us, even us, I mean, I feel like I'm learning along with the audience. So even when I draw him, even things, certain things like facial tendencies, like quirks of, or 
the way he smiles or the way they react to certain situations, you know, I, it's one of those things where I haven't even yet really gotten comfortable <laughs> with uh, with drawing him. But uh, hope to hopefully with this this thing, it, you know, we, I, like I said again, I can learn I learn along with the audience and uh, and it and I and I do it uh, do it well. <laughs> so now, being an artist, can you kind of say like, hey, Judd, I really want to draw this like I see you doing Stephanie Brown right now this bad girl like can you say like I really want to draw stuff in this book with Batman Inc can we make that happen yes and no a lot of times it's uh, the higher ups that have a choice into especially with the new DCU as as many know they have plans uh, for a lot of characters and then a lot of times we just can't use them right now right so it's really tough to kind of make that decision like um, when I when I worked with Fabian and I asked, you know, uh, I wanted to draw Booster Gold, and he fit it in there somehow. Uh, but it was only like oh, a single panel, and it was uh, like a, a reference to the character instead of. Right? But uh, right if, now if you it's had a the harder, choice, yeah. like if you could say like, hey, I want to draw this character in the book, and have them okay, let's go for it. Who would it be? Like, who do you love to draw that you haven't had a chance to put on the page yet? You know what? There's so many characters that I would love to have give it a try. I mean, I was, I'm more of a fan of trying to draw them actually in their own books and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I guess in Batwing, I would really like to see more interaction with. I don't know. I haven't drawn New 52 Tim. Yeah. How, how do you feel about New 52, Tim? Uh, very different yeah, from yeah. what it was. It is very Robert. different, and uh, I mean, I, I've read a little bit of the Teen Titans, and I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with with his character. Um, will he become the leader that we all want him to be? Right. But uh, that's a that's a question that uh, I'm not I'm not sure yet. You know, I uh, I would like to see him take. Take the reins more, yeah. but uh, right now the Teen Titans are so scattered that uh, you know you don't see the, you don't see that leadership part of him right now. Any thoughts on the costume at all? I'm okay with it. You're okay with it? Uh, I saw. I saw. Uh, I, saw uh, I saw. I'm not done yet. But I saw um, Raphael Albuquerque do. Uh, there was this, I don't know what's for, but it's for the Night of Owls thing. Okay. And Raphael Albuquerque, I got reference for the scene, and Raphael Albuquerque did it, and he drew Red Robin in one of them, and it looks so awesome. So, you know, but then again, anything that guy draws is like gold, so. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you much for your time. Uh, you got a lot of stuff happening here. We'll get you like that. Let you get back to it. No worries. Uh, thanks for talking to us. Thanks for coming by. We're here with Shelly and Braden from Over at Kaboom Studios. You might know them as the All Ages imprint from Over at Boom. Um, thank you very much for taking time out of a very, very busy weekend. Um, every time we swing by here, you have a ton of kids. Yeah. Just yeah that's true. I mean, we just keep pumping them out. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. It's all adventure time. I mean, this is a fantastic cartoon. It's amazing. What's it like doing the art duties for such a phenomenon? Right now? Uh, it's really exciting. Um, it was it, like it was kind of a surprise uh, as well because you know our this isn't sort of our usual style, but it's it's yeah. really it's a really fun style to, to work in. Yeah, when we got it, it was like everyone was saying, wow, this is a really popular show. There ought to be a comic of yeah. it. And so many people who work on the show are comic book artists, and so it, it made a lot of sense. And, yeah, we were really surprised that we got to do it. So really excited. Did Kaboom come to you guys from twerking over on stuff like DuckTales? Yep. Papa Show? Yeah. That and was... Since- that yeah. was pretty much it. Like uh, uh, I did, like I did, I did the colors for the for the Ducktales comic, and sort of we weasel our way into doing sketch covers for them at San Diego Comic Con last year, and they just saw that you know we could turn around all these all these uh, characters on model and quickly, and they were like, 
that's what we need to do for uh, for comics. Yeah, and we work together, so we get to do all the um, all the art, including the colors, like along with the pencils um, and the inks. So um, turn things around really quickly. Sorry to talk so clinically about oh, making no, comics, but <laughs> no, it's good because we're here. We enjoy the comic books. We just <laughs> read the finished product. So it's always good to get that input about what goes into yeah. it. Like, yeah, doing the colors. Do you have a specific like? Is this the blue that? Cartoon Network needs Finn to be. Oh, they do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have a little, uh, yep. a little document that says what uh, you know, what, what what the color specs are on these exactly. on these different characters. Yeah. Mostly, yeah. mostly it's just the main cast yeah. uh, that they have. That the the backgrounds we have kind of free reign, but but yeah. we, but we do heavily reference like the, the palettes that they use in the show. And the show has a style, but they bring in new backgrounds basically almost every episode. It's always just really impressive. Array yeah. of art, new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to the Muppets, how awesome was oh, yeah. it working on that? Oh, that was a dream. <laughs> and, um, it was but, a dream that ended too soon. I too think. soon, yeah. I kind of got on the tail end of that. Like I got to do like a backup um, issue for Roger when he was a little busy. Um, got to do Pigs in Space, my favorite um, segment from Muppet Show, and then like uh, started in on uh, Muppets Snow White, and yeah, it was you know. Um, it was a challenge, and but it was again great characters, um, and got to insert like a lot of life into these puppets that on screen, you know, carry all of that. And then like, how do you, how does it translate? So that was a fun challenge as well. And it was on uh, Muppet Snow White that Shelley kind of roped me into the, the comics world because because yeah. you you had you had some some ideas of what what you wanted the colors to look like, yeah. and you wanted to be able to communicate with somebody. And you know, I was right there in the room. <laughs> so, so that's that's why she she got me to, to do the colors on that one. So you guys have kind of the inside scoop from Kaboom. Where are they going next? Since I mean, they don't have the Disney licenses anymore, right? I mean, I love Darkwing Duck. That was probably one of my favorite books. Oh yeah. Ever. I mean, Ducktales. Warren Spector, huge Disney that as well. Yeah. Um, is it going to be a lot more kind of licensed stuff like Adventure Time? Are they going to be kind of farming stuff like, hey, what do you guys want to do? Uh, it, I, let's see, they, they've got uh, Garfield coming out uh, next next week. Yeah. And I actually did the, the colors on that one. Uh, I'd imagine that, yeah, there, there, there'll, be, there'll be a couple more... Um, uh, licensed properties and things. And as far as that goes, like I find that um, my experience going to shows with Bloom, um, you know, kids come in, they had a lot of exposure to TV, to maybe what they can read in the newspaper, and to see something like, oh, Ice Age, or oh, you know, Mickey Mouse, like that gets them into comics. So it, licensed characters and properties are a really good springboard to get kids like reading comics. Mm. So I'm all for it. Uh-huh. But it's a lot of thin hats around here. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a Princess Bubblegum outside. Yeah. I've seen a couple of Princess Bubblegums, yeah. Do you have a lot of kids Prince, walking Princesses Bubblegum? Is that the... the okay. We had a lot of kids walking by, like, Adventure Time comics just, like, getting excited because they didn't know it was out there. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the, yeah there have been a few kids, like, oh, look, Adventure Time, and they, and they pick it up, they flip through it, and it... Not and every town has a comic shop. Like you don't. Yeah. Know, they're not like, like they might have one comic at home or something like that. But they know that they like it, so um, it's not like collectors know what's coming out on Wednesday or anything. Like they, yeah. they come to it a little more naturally. So. so yeah, we get a lot of that that they didn't know that it was out, and now they can pick it up here, get a sketch too from us. Do you guys have a website that you want people to check out if they want to be a little bit more familiar with their work if they don't have a comic book shop around or haven't seen a bunch of yet? Yeah, just our names, so RaidenLamb.com and ShellyParline.com. Well, thank you much for your time, and uh, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. We're here with Scotty Young at the Boston Comic Con. Scotty, uh, thanks so much for taking time today. Ah, thanks for coming by, guys. Uh, You still have a huge uh, sketch list which has to feel, feel pretty good, you know, going to an all-ages book. I'm pretty sure that that might be something you're kind of worried about when you go from, like, mainstream superhero comics to, you know, kind of all-ages books, maybe falling off people's radars a little bit. You know, I was worried about that at first when the, when the job first was offered to me. Um, but by the time uh, the series started coming out at, out in stores, uh, that, that went away. Uh, it proved to be... Um, 
it definitely proved to be faulty faulty logic. Uh, people really took to the series well, and um, for the most part, I think. Uh, I mean, it's been almost four years now. I've been working on it, so uh, it's it, everything's only gotten good, you know, gotten better. So uh, because no now problems I, here. Now at uh, conventions, people bring you commissions. I see. Like that has to yeah, feel really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, a lot of little kids bringing drawings for me and. Uh, some cool kids making costumes of the Oz stuff, so it's fantastic. Uh, winning the Eisner really surprised you? What's that? Winning the Eisner? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of those things for me that was, wasn't even on a bucket list because it wasn't a real thing. I mean, uh, guys like me don't win Eisners, you know. It's, it's, that's for other, better, bigger, like, deep thinker people. <laughs> like, um, so for me, uh, getting nominated, when, when Eric and I got nominated, was just... Not only the first year, but the second year was just like, what's happening? I don't even, I don't even understand this. So, very, very flattering. Now, was going onto the Oz books what made you kind of retweet your art style a little bit? Because you definitely had that heavy like pencil line graffiti style before. Um, it became a lot more round, like rounded, watercolory in a way. Yeah. It, well, I started to play around outside of uh, when I, you know, I was working on the X Men books and. And uh, one book that I did at Marvel, I wrote and drew a Frankenstein story in Legion of Monsters. And that was the first time that I really started playing around with loose, kind of sketchy brush style. And I was like, God, this is really fun. Um, and then I went back and did New X-Men. And those last couple of issues I did in New X-Men, I thought, you know, I'm going to pull that brush back out. And just kind of, it was really just a matter of just playing around. And so when Oz came up, I thought, well, this is a good time to kind of do more illustrative style and uh, just do it with a brush and get very loose. And uh, people really responded well. It was it was funner for me. It was easier for me. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it really was not a whole lot of thought went into it. Just more of like, oh, it's time to try something new. Is that where your sketch of the day kind of came from? Just trying something different? Uh, that's just something to keep it going and keep it fresh and kind of warm up in the morning and you know, sometimes when you got something on the table, it gets a little daunting. So you're like, well, I'll just break the day in with something random that's not really for anything. <laughs> Ever uh, keep up in contact with the Let Heavy guys at all? Oh, yeah. I know Carrie's over there. Yeah, Carrie's over there. So Carrie Randolph and I talk all the time. Um, I don't hear from Greg as much now. He's actually here in Boston now. Um, but, uh, yeah, as much as I can. I mean, we're all pretty busy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we still, I still see Sean Galloway from time to time. I see, I see Mark Brooks all the time. So definitely keep in touch. That's pretty awesome. Ever just kind of get that itch to go back to the lead heavy style? Uh, not very much. I mean, that was a very labored style. <laughs> yeah. um, it was very time intensive and overthought, and, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. But um, I still think the underdrawing is there. You know, the, yeah. it's still there's still similarities underneath it. It's all in the finish, and and and, and I mean, in just reality, some I've just gotten better at structure and, and art in general. So some of that stuff back then was a mixture of my mistakes and style. There you go, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. You just signed a print for someone, and even your signatures kind of adapted. It's pretty to fresh. Pretty yeah. fresh. <laughs> so, uh, there were 13 original Oz books, right? I think 14. 14? Uh, okay. I think. I should have done more research. Good Lord. What a podcast. <laughs> I know. Get my facts right. Uh, how how many do you see this going even up beyond that? Like, is uh, the writer uh, Eric going to like just make up oh, yeah. new stories in the same world? Or? Well, technically, there's 14 Oz books that Bomb wrote, right? And then there were more kind of that were written by another writer after him. Okay. Around. So there's, I think, all told, there's probably 40 wow. books. But I think Bomb himself wrote 14. And the first movie that everybody's kind of familiar with was the first two books, right? No, that was. Not even all of the first book. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, there was Return to Oz, um, the second movie. That was kind of a combination of a couple books. Um, and then a lot of made-up stuff. Um, but yeah, the first movie was just part of the first book. There was a lot more 
in that first book than the other stuff. Because looking at like the actual movies, like that does not look, and also Return to Oz, the style that you do for your Oz books don't come from there. Oh, not at all. <laughs> it comes from whatever's wrapping around in your brain. Well, yeah, that and the text. I mean, you know, you just read the text of uh, um, that Bond wrote, and you just kind of go from there, and then you kind of look at those old illustrations that were for the actual books, and uh, then just try to, then I just make it up on, on the spot. Or, we don't want to keep you away from uh, working or anything at all. So. Okay. So uh, you got any website to plug or yeah, anything just, you want to set up? Uh, uh, just scottyyoung.com and you can follow me at, at scottyyoung on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, just keep in touch. I'm working on the new uh, new Oz book right now. We've got the fourth one that will be out this fall. And, uh, and I'm working on a couple creator and projects that I hope to be able to talk about this summer. You guys hit always in the fall. Is that just uh, scheduled for Christmas? Like, is it designed? Does to be? not hurt that it, yeah <laughs> that we get it out there in the in the yeah. shopping season. Because so it is definitely something that I would pick up for my yeah. little cousin. We, we definitely try to get it out there for the for the holiday shopping season. So we always hit right around that September October. That's great that Marvel like yeah. actually is producing these nice hardcovers for you too. It's really great. It's so. fantastic. Well, thank you very much cool. again. Thank you all so Thanks, much. Thank you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hi, this is Kyle Stevens. And this is Jim DeMonacos. And we're Kirby Crackle. And you're listening to Bagged and Board Podcast. Right out of that Kirby Crackle musical interlude, we have John talking to Paulo Rivera with Chris. It's an interview that was so exciting they forgot to introduce it. So here I am introducing it later. Time Machines. You know, I take up too much of your time. You know, you're working busy. Okay. Awesome. One uh, we're huge fan with um, your covers for best covers of the year for us. I think also best book was uh, uh, Dare Dare Dare. best book, uh, um, best artist, best artist, and uh, basically sweat. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good year. It was a good year. This is a big bracket for March. And you won for Marvel as well as artists for that. Oh, wow. Um, one of the things we did is we had to pick a we, uh, artist and a writer one from Marvel, and we had to pin them up and create their what book they would do after what they've been doing. Uh-huh. So would you be interested in doing a uh, Fantastic Four book, a Nightcrawler book, or Iron Fist? Iron Fist. Fantastic Four. Fantastic oh. Four. Without a doubt. Yeah, that was Paul's pick for a book. Yeah, that, that for sure. I, no, no doubt. Fantastic Four all the way. With Mark Wade. Mark Wade? Yeah. Mark Wade? Yeah. Wade, uh, I know he's already written it, but... With Jason Aaron with him. Oh, okay. Jason Aaron progressed through the writer's book. All right. I, 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 guess I'll, I guess I'll work with Mark Wade. got pretty far through it. Uh, other thing is, is like, uh, what is it like working with your dad, having him as your your anchor? It's the best. I mean, uh, you know, he's my dad. <laughs> you know, he uh, he does custom motorcycles as a full time job. I always knew he could ink, uh, and I, I was just too busy, so I asked him if he you know wouldn't mind doing it. And he's been great ever since. You know, this is his first professional work. Uh, the first cover we ever did was a Spidey cover. Um, and Daredevil was the very, very first issue he did. And so now he's done uh, six issues all together. Do you ever have those moments where like, no, Dad, this is wrong? <laughs> uh, not, not really. Uh, every once in a while, um, you know, especially in the beginning, I, I, I would maybe not put an X where I wanted all black, just thinking that he would, you know. But it's not a big deal because I just go in at the end and I... Uh, I, I usually do like edits, uh, and sometimes I'll I'll draw, I'll put in things like digitally the the DD symbol. I'll just put that in digitally, and then he inks around it. And you know, we, we try and like speed things up. I started doing the um, the radar sense just myself because all it really needed were my pencils just flipped, and uh, I was kind of wasting his time. So I figured I might as well save it for him. And, but, yeah, I mean, he's, like, the most dependable guy in the world, and he's my dad, so I, I really can't. And he's doing a fantastic job, and now he's Eisner nominated, the first thing he ever does. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't ask for anything more. How long did it take you to do that Daredevil number one book, just with all the... Oh, I don't know. You know, upwards of 70 hours. Uh, I actually got really sick right in the middle of it, and I was planning on going home to Florida, actually, to train my dad. And I had to just tell my editors to... I, I couldn't get it in, in on time for the big announcement, 
so we just had to blank out the, the background because I had that part finished and then I finished all the uh, words while I was home in Florida. So it took a while and uh, I did it in two major parts, but it, it got done eventually. What is uh, like the next thing you're going to be doing after Daredevil? Do you know? Uh, Dare, Daredevil from here on out. Uh, if everything goes according to plan, I should be doing 17 through 20. And uh, I've got a whole bunch of covers in the pipeline. I'm doing 12, 14, 15, and then 17 through 20. Are you going to be kind of jumping back on and off with Marcus Martin? Uh, Marcus Martin has gone off to do his own creator-owned book with uh, Brian K. Vaughn, but Chris Tomley has stepped on board, and then uh, Corey Fahm is, is doing a bunch of fill-in issues here and there. I saw you doing a couple Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, they're picking up the slack, because I'm not the fastest guy on Earth. Is but. that why the Daredevil book's not crossing over with Avenging Spider-Man and Punisher, just so we can kind of keep uh, the pace around? Well, they wanted to do that from the beginning, uh, you know, uh, Marco Chiquetto jumped at the chance to draw all three of those titles. So when they did the Omega effect, it just worked out for him. And, uh, and he's also faster than I am. So it, it all worked out. I'm actually, I haven't read any of those, uh, com- you know, the finished book. I've read the scripts, I've seen the art, but I, I feel like I haven't read the comic until it's all put together. Is that something you've kind of taken into account when you're actually drawing yourself? Like, how is this going to be as an art? Or do you... Uh, well, I'm usually only doing one issue at a time, so that's all the information I have. But when I do my layouts, I actually put in all the word balloons in Photoshop because I can't really make those creative decisions until I see the finished page. And that's what I send my editor, those digital layouts, and they say, okay, and then I go from there. All right. Well, thank, well, thank you very much, much for your time. No I appreciate my, it. My pleasure. Thanks for reading. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks, nice to meet you guys. All right, so we're back at the Boston Comic-Con, yep, all the way up in Boston, uh, talking to Cliff Chang, currently doing his run with Brian Azzarello on Wonder Woman. Cliff, thank you so much for the chance to talk to you. Uh, what I first noticed is you have a really kind of pop, uh, pop art kind of style. Uh, where did that? Were you influenced by anything, like, coming into the business, or was it some outside source? Uh, that's a good question. I think, you know, a lot of the work that I've liked has had that, that influence. I, I think comics is best when you're able to kind of throw other influences in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of give it a... So you're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah, I sometimes get your work confused with Darwin Cook's because uh-huh. I'm not that great of a comic book fan. <laughs> I okay. guess, you know, I'm a poor comic book fan because, you know, I don't remember every issue and all that jazz. Right, um, right, right. Oh, but I love your work so far, especially uh, in New Wonder Woman. How has it been fun working with Brian Azzarello? Has it been yeah, like a, it's, 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 always, uh, it's always been great working with Brian. He's a friend and he, he's, mm-hmm. his writing is just so sharp. So I, I love, you know, working with him and the challenge of kind of doing my best work to live up to his script. Mm-hmm. You're selling here some, like, remix, what you're calling. Can you describe these real quick? Yeah, they're remixes? just um, little postcards uh, that have uh, my 12-inch remix uh, series on them. You can check that out on my website. It's cliffchang.com. There's a little link on the sides for a 12-inch remix. Uh, it's just kind of a mashup of uh, superhero stuff and... Uh, movie posters and albums. And, uh, I think the coolest one definitely is the Teen Titans uh, take off of uh, The Breakfast Club. Uh-huh. It's a lot of fun. It's like mashing two of the kind of nerd culture 80s movies and comic books together which right. is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it can be tricky finding the right subject matter for those because mm-hmm. they have to be really recognizable and, uh, but overall it's been uh, it was a really fun series to do. <laughs> so was it just something that came from your mind or was it somebody that said hey maybe you should do this or where did uh, the inspiration come from that a friend of mine is a party promoter in New York and he was doing sort of a cosplay night at a club okay. and he wanted um, a flyer some flyer art and uh, that would combine superheroes and music he had a- originally asked me to do something that had superheroes dancing in- on it and okay. I just said that's a terrible idea let me, <laughs> let me come up with something else and, uh, and and this seemed the best way to kind of touch on, you know, the kind of nostalgia that people have for superheroes as well as uh, for, you know, kind of 80s music. Is that the, the cosplay that kind of is in your background here on your uh, banner where you have Wonder Woman playing lead guitar? Well, that that was just... I had watched uh, that, that movie about uh, the Runaways. Yeah, the Runaways. <laughs> uh, and, you know, just thinking about Joan Jett and, like, how important, you know, having kind of role models for for 
for young girls, you know, and, and how superheroes also do that sort of thing. And, and what's great about like rock and roll is it's like it's so it's about acting out uh-huh. more. And I think you know that's also a really good lesson for for young girls. You know, kind of own you know that, that they shouldn't you know they shouldn't be afraid to right. kind of really speak out and, and, and rock out. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, since you're working with Brian Azzarello again, any more chance of just like that crazy Doctor 13 kind of stuff? Well, there's always a chance. I think uh, we both really enjoyed working on it, so hopefully we can uh, we can get back to that soon. Sounds off, but I don't know how it fit into the new 52 at all, since it's really just kind of out there with I Vampire and a whole different I Vampire book happening right now. But yeah. I love that you know, it was coming out in the backups of the uh, was it Days of Vengeance or was it uh, Tales of the uh, you've done a lot of cover work, uh, especially for the last Ju- Justice League International, just our Generation Lost. Uh, a lot of just really striking things, especially the one with Batman outside of the thing. Where, where did that come from? Because I think that was one of the most striking of the Generation Lost like uh, images or covers. Uh, I don't know. I think I, originally there was a sketch on my website that uh, you could see what I'd originally done, which was uh, Batman kind of rappelling down the side of the building. And then they said, well, you know, maybe you don't need that. And he's just hanging out outside the uh-huh. window. And it became that. So it's just, uh, it's, sometimes it's nice to just draw, you know, an iconic image of Batman. And I was really happy with the way that turned out. Yeah, I, I was really happy to pick it up off the shelf and be like, you know what, I'm going to keep this around. And, you know, this is one of the ones that I want to keep nice. Cool. You know, because... Uh, like I said, I'm not a great comic book fan. I'm one of the ones that read them, put them in a box, and kind of forget about them. But that one I keep out, like on a shelf, just because I just really like the image. Cool. Thank so, you. well, thank you for drawing it. Uh, and thank you for taking the time. Uh, again, what's your website so people can uh, check out all your awesome art? Clipchang.com. Okay. And is there a way to purchase things uh, other than here at the convention on nope. your website? Nope. No, just the shows. you, you got to find where he's at. Yep. Just keep on checking your local shows. Well, thank you very again, Cliff. Okay. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you. We've been standing here talking to Mr. David Peterson for a while now about his awesome, awesome work on Housecars. And do we want to rehash everything we discussed Yeah, go for it. All right. Um, I don't even remember where I started now. Uh, we started with Free Comic Book Day. Free Comic Book Day, I yes. only read the uh, one from two years ago because David has a great memory, and I would never remember that, <laughs> uh, which one it was actually was. And you were saying that it was really stressful. Yeah, the first Free Comic Book Day story, I was trying to please so many, so many masters. I was trying to make sure that existing fans of the series had something interesting that they could sink their teeth into, but that the story wasn't too heavy where you had to know everything in advance. You could you could come in as a fresh reader and be there, and that the story also just had to be interesting in general and not cut into too much of what I needed to tell in my regular series. And it, it was just it was a tightrope walk that stressed me out. <laughs> it came with a map. If I remember, right? There was, yeah, there was a map. Which is always an awesome bonus, especially <laughs> when you're building a world or first time coming into a world like I was. You just give me a map at the beginning, and it's like a great fantasy books. Like, you know, Lord of the Rings had a map at the very beginning, yeah. you know, uh, all those great books. So I think that's a great way just initially to set the world up. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We have maps in the hardcovers, but... I thought for someone new coming in, it might be good to give them a sense of scale and that this is a, a bigger thing than just what I'm showing in these ten pages. Especially since you're feeling the scale since they're all mice. Right. Right. That story also took place in a variety of cities or just side of outside of a variety of cities. And I thought instead of just listing towns, like you should have a sense of what that means. Yeah. So then, yeah, with the second... The, the next Free Comic Book Day... After that, I was like, I can't do that again. i got to do something different. And we had just done a Legends of the Guard anthology series where um, guest artists got to come in and tell the like tall tales and folk tales of the world. And they had a lot less restrictions on them than I would with like a normal story. I thought, that would be really fun. Why don't I get to do something like that with less restrictions? And, uh, and I decided to do this format where a character that we know as an adult in the main series we're seeing as a child being told some kind of like bedtime story or morality tale that then shapes who they become as an adult character in the series. Uh, and then I've continued that on with this year's Free Comic Book Day. And, and for the foreseeable future, that's how I'll do it. 
So you're going to be again there, Free Comic Book Day, one of the books that I get to pick up? Free Comic Book Day this year for Archaea, the, okay. my publisher, they're releasing a hardcover for free. What? Really? It's a 40, I think it's a 48-page hardcover. Wow. And it has six different stories in it, Mouse Guard being one of them. There's a Labyrinth story in it from you know Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Uh, Cursed Pirate Girl, Dapper Men, a oh, bunch of stuff from, from Archaea. So the, those are all like really big, hard-hitting books, too. So that's yeah. really cool. It's not just a hardcover, but they're putting some solid it, stuff in it. It's there a too. good hardcover. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For zero dollars. Yeah, yeah, zero dollars. I'm going to have to put word in at the comic book shop. It's like, hey, Don, I, I want to hold off on Archaea. I, I heard some of the, the retailers, when they were looking into ordering them, they were like, there's a misprint on this. It says yeah. it's a hardcover. It's a 48-page hardcover? That can't be right. No, it is. It's a hardcover. Now, how did you get on board with Archaea? Because you said when you started the book, it was something just to get into a convention, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I self-published the first issue, went to the local convention, figured it'd be a good way to get in and make sure that I had a table. Didn't have to walk around all day. I could also sit. Um, and then hopefully be able to sell my work and, and try to break into doing something art-wise. Because I was working... Uh, antique store job and uh, then the next that was in May of 2005 in July of 2005 I went to San Diego for the first time but to walk on the other side of the table just to walk around just to see the spectacle of it all and somebody I knew from my local convention asked if I was shopping it around to various publishers and I was like no what mouse guard nobody wants that it's crazy it's a square book about mice and they said, well, Archaea is looking for submissions for unusual fantasy books. And the, the guy who was the head of Archaea at the time had given me a portfolio review to try to get some role-playing game illustration work uh, maybe four or five years before that. And I was just impressed with how how much time he took with me and how constructive his critique was. Uh, well, worst case scenario, I'm going to go over there and he's going to give me another good critique of my work, like where he's going to tell me what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. And instead, he said, "Let's publish this book together." And that was that was it. It's such a great book, and it definitely is all age appropriate. There's something in it for everyone. The entire reason I actually started picking it up is because I lived with my girlfriend at the time, and I've always been a comic book nerd. And she was kind of dabbling at that time, and I wanted to pick up books that I could pass off to her, and she would enjoy. And just Mascard had actually started coming out right then. And I picked it up, and I was like, "This book is fantastic!" and there's really something in it that's just got that great spirit of adventure, almost like akin to what Bone has. Thank you. Um, except this, I don't want to put down Jeff Smith's like life's work with Bone, but I, I actually like this more. Oh, wow. it's just well, like that high fantasy. That's with, a huge when you, compliment. When you're fighting crabs, like <laughs> yeah, and uh, snakes, yeah, and snakes. 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 I mean, like owls and weasels. It's like it's such a small scale. But then when you think about it, it's like no. It's huge. And when we actually got our hamsters, I wanted to name one of them Kenzie or Saxon. And she wouldn't let me because she was like, I will be so sad when it dies. I was like, okay. All right. Anyway. But it's great. I mean, never expected this to happen. No. I mean, I thought there was a chance that I'd have a, a steady, loyal fan base. You know, I figured I'd probably end up self-publishing. Uh, a, a collection or maybe being able to take a collection to a publisher and that I'd, I'd have the, the hardcore fans and it would be just like a little secret that those people really liked it and helped support me but other than that probably nothing and here you are with a role playing game award winning yeah. role playing game <laughs> yeah. too, which I didn't know about yeah yeah, it won the Origins Award in 2009 for best role playing game beating out Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition Wow! You've got the dice here. Uh, yeah, the stampers or the no, they're uh, they're pawns in the in the book. The the matriarch, the the leader of the guard, kind of maps out where all the patrols are by by putting these pawns on the map. Oh, um, we we did a so in two thousand nine the role playing game came out, and then last year it's been popular enough, and we've had to reprint the book enough. We decided to put out a box set that had more components, a GM screen and <laughs> dice and. You gotta have the GM. Yeah, we just decided to trick it out, and even though these pawns aren't really integral to playing at all, we just thought if you're gonna trick out a box set, you might as well go whole hog. Yeah, put in some cool stuff, and I actually carved the original piece. Really? That then China made a mold of, and 
China, the whole nation. Just, <laughs> they all, all China's behind. Yeah, you have all, all box cut. Yeah, they all they chipped in, made a mold. <laughs> so what happened to that original piece? Is I've got like it on your mantle. I've got it back. Yeah. Did you like bring it to things remembered or and have it like dipped in like anything? Attention, <laughs> Boston no. Comic Con. Just let me know. It's just dirty outside the it's area. It's just gaming. No, it's uh, First it's actually like half plastic, uh-huh. half sculpting. Because I just took a regular chest piece and then put a blob of sculpty on. Started car- started sculpting the head, mm-hmm. and then once I had it all done, uh, once I had it baked even. I started sculpting the um, or carving in all the wood grain on the plastic chest piece. So yeah, it's just this like little hodgepodge thing sitting on my shelf. That's awesome. So we got the free comic book day hardcover coming out. What's next for Mouseguard then? I'm working on the third series. It's called the Black Axe, and I'm four issues in. Or four issues have been released. I'm working on issue five now. It's going to be collected into a hardcover this fall. And then we're going to do another round of the Legends book, the, the anthology. And that should come out pretty close on the heels of Black Axe, because we've already got the contributors doing their stories now. Who, uh, like any contributor that you're really excited, like like you're working up to want to contribute? Or sure. That uh, came to you or you Rick, went to them? Rick Geary. Rick Geary? Okay. Uh, Stan Sakai. Wow. Ben Caldwell. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to start forgetting names if I have to list them all, right, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, Bill Willingham. Okay. Yeah, and actually, uh, Paul, Paul doesn't like Bill Willingham. Oh. But <laughs> I don't like Fables. And also, I don't understand how he not like Fables. But he, besides the point, he he said, "Yeah, I'd love to write a story for your anthology." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no! You're going to write and draw it." Oh, really? Oh. And he was he does, like, "He does art." And he's like, "I haven't drawn. Any, I don't draw anymore." I'm like, "We used to." And that's the only way you're getting in. And he was like. Got All right. Well, he illustrated one of the uh, Fable short stories that he wrote. That well, he got to book lick book, his chops so. and get ready for Mouse I was, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wasn't going to be hard and fast on that. If he if he was like, no, I can't draw it, I'd be like, okay, you can write. <laughs> but he said yes, so I was like, oh, sweet. Now, with this being something that you created and is obviously near to your heart, is there anything that you kind of put off limits for the people working on the anthology? Well, there's said, a Bible. Don't yeah. do this. Uh, yes, there's a... There's a um, uh, I put together like a, a rule sheet. It's called a Bible, but I, it's, it's not complete enough to really be a Bible. It's, it's just kind of a, a list of a few things to avoid and to make sure that they follow. But it, it's pretty loose. It's like, oh, yeah, it, it pretty much what's off limits is things like don't don't use my main characters because I already have story plans for them. Um, don't use significant events. Like I keep mentioning this weasel war. Okay. Like, don't try to tackle that because I'm going to tackle that. Uh-huh. But other than that, like, make up your own fictitious war that, yeah. you know. And uh, and then just kind of the general things of like, no adult language, no sex, uh, and tone down the violence. Like, make sure the violence is within reason. What you would expect mm-hmm. in NASCAR. Right. But other than that, I, I want to make sure that they're telling their stories. I don't want to over-editorialize. The reason I'm opening it up is because I want to see different styles of storytelling, different takes on the, the world. So If I wanted another David Peterson story, I'd just draw it. <laughs> so... Your man, so the mandate to make this kind of feel like an all ages book is really coming from you and not like from Archaea or anybody else. You right. Well, I mean, if this, uh, there is an editor on the book from the Archaea side as well, right. helping to keep that in tow. And obviously, you know, it's not in my interest or Archaea's interest to yeah. throw in a story there that's not all ages mm-hmm. yeah, at, yeah. at this point. But yeah, the the initial like push for this is an all ages book was mine. Oh. There, there was even a point where Archaea was doing some, some dealings with um, different book distributors and then book com- bookstores. Like Scholastic trying to get them in those like book fairs or something yeah, like more that? Like, more like Barnes & Noble or okay. things like that, where, th- where they have their own rating system or they wanted to classify it in some way. And if it was classified as a kid's book, then it would mean, and it was like guaranteed this many more sales because of such and such promotion or... Or whatever, and I was like, "No, I don't want to classify it like that because it's not a." Ki- as soon as we say it's a kids' book, adults aren't going to find it, yeah. right? Because it's over in that little section right. where it's like the, yeah. the Legos being sold. Yeah, so I want it to be kind of vague, <laughs> you know, where you don't really know what it is. Yeah. 
and by word of mouth you'll find out it's right for everybody. So, okay, so for people like me who haven't picked up Miles Garrett, where do we start? Because it does, I'm guessing the seasons fall in order. Yes. Well, the, the first two books are season based. Okay. And then there's the spinoff that you can actually read it any. You could read it first if you wanted to. Just to get you right into the world. Sure. Sure. Or you can read it second or third. You like? There's no. There, there's no chronology to it really. Um, but yeah, fall is the first, and then winter is the second. But after that, I'm abandoning the season because everybody goes when spring, when spring. At the point where I tell a story that takes place chronologically after winter, there's, there's going to be like a five-year gap in the story so that things can have happened, you know, a plausible amount of time has happened for the changes in the story. I also don't want to plot out every single second of these characters' lives. I want to give the readers some room to imagine their own adventures. It's like Three Musketeers, you know? You can imagine all the adventures of the Three Musketeers you ever want to, in between the Three Musketeers and uh, Man in the Iron Mask. So readers can fill in their own stories and also fill in their own stories while playing the role-playing game. That's right, that's right. That's you're the beauty a man, of role-playing. You're multi conglomerate, media <laughs> entertainment conglomerate now. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thank uh, you. I hope you have a great con. You've sold a lot since we've just been standing here for a good amount. So uh, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you for your time, David. Yeah, thank you guys. Man, I'm out of breath after all those interviews. I, I made it sound like we just did them, guys. <laughs> Magic of podcasting. Time machines and all that. But, uh... Hopefully uh, you guys enjoy those. We hope to do a lot more in the future. And if you did enjoy them, what do they have to do, Paul? They should go over to our Facebook page because that's where we're probably the most active, right? Mm-hmm. Just bagged and bored. You found the web. You found this podcast, so you know how to spell our name. You know, name you know, on you know the how page. to spell our name right, but it's spelled wrong, which I always thought was really clever. B o r e d. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, send us an email. Contact at bagged you got to throw the cast on the email address. We're also over on the Twitter. Uh, we're just at Bag and Board. Simple. It's very simple. And uh, again, thanks everyone who allowed us to take their time away from them. Mm-hmm. And rate us on iTunes because we could use the ratings. And it really it makes Paul happy. It, it, it makes Paul so I read happy. Each one. I check it every day. He does. <laughs> I check it more often than the Facebook page. Which I'm on top of. Yeah. But uh, make sure you tune in next week when we're going to be having our. What are we calling this, Paul? Oh, it's our summer movie blockbuster bracket buster. Number two. Number yeah, two. Second the annual. sequel. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> oh, we'll call it the sequel. That seems a lot better. It's a yeah. tie-in. So, it's, <laughs> so eat, let's put even more words in yes. that we won't remember. It's the second annual Bagman Board <laughs> summer movie blockbuster bracket buster, the sequel. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome, Paul. And I hope you forget that by next week. <laughs> I'm making it sound like we're recording next week and not like right after this. 